welcome to Phoenix Foundation, an episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 2, Episode 3, Twice Done. The original air date for this episode was October 6th, 1986. It was directed by Paul Krasny, who just did The Eraser last week. And this was written by Mark Lisson and Bill Froelich, with a story by Phil Combest, Mark Lisson, and Bill Froelich. Um, this is a very Sting-ish yeah. episode. Yeah, I mean, obviously the you know, the title is an homage to The Stung, starring Robert Redford, <laughs> Paul Newman. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Dana Elkar. Yeah, and Dana Elkar revising his role of an agent undercover. Right. And I'm sure that was what started this whole thing, was they were just like, you know, I was just watching The Sting. You were so great in that. We should do a Sting episode. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> and it turned out okay. I kind of like this episode. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got some different things in it than a normal MacGyver episode has. Certainly directing and editing-wise. Yeah. Um, and they, they, they really stand out. But I don't think that they take anything away from it. No. It's just it's just a weird, unique choice for this particular episode. I think it also falls into that weird category that I think the eraser fell into where you're not sure if you're rooting for the wrong team in yeah. places. Um, it almost feels like technically MacGyver and Pete are the ones breaking the law here. They are definitely breaking the law. And it feels like the other guy's really not breaking the law. He's breaking... Uh, the, there's a term for it, like when you... Human an act that's actually against the law versus an act that's actually morally wrong. Right. Um, I think they said it, like Matt Damon said it in True Grit, and it kind of stuck with me. Now, you could argue that the shooting of the dog was merely an instance of malum prohibitum, but the shooting of a senator is indubitably an instance of malum and say. Malum and what? Malum and say. The distinction is between an act that is wrong in itself and an act that is wrong only according to our laws and mores. It is Latin. So yeah, I don't think he's actually broken any laws because he's never been convicted. Of course, you know he's he can be. And they even make the point that oh, they can never get him in jail because he always uses loopholes. And it's like, well, then what you're saying is that he's not breaking the law. Yeah, innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. MacGyver's going to jail. (laughs) I will testify against (laughs) MacGyver in court. Well, why don't you um, lay out the the plot of this episode? Oh yeah, uh, we haven't done it yet. Yeah. (laughs) Well, what this episode's about. Um, a good friend of Pete and MacGyver, who works at the Phoenix Foundation, was swindled out of $400,000, and they are going to take it upon themselves to con the con man and get the money back. And Kelly is his first name, right? I'm guessing, but Kelly is also... I don't remember hearing also... another name, a surname yeah. or... Yeah. Kelly can also be one of those names where it's a last it name, works and either they just way. call him Kelly. Yeah. Gene Kelly. Um, we open uh, in the Phoenix Foundation. Yeah, um... Uh, well, no. Well, we actually open up in an airplane. Right. Yeah. Uh, we we. The first shot is MacGyver landing in a in a fighter. Yeah, plane. a fighter jet. He calls it a, a T thirty eight Ace, um, and he's coming back from some mission that Pete sent him on. It's it's like it's like the tail end of an opening gambit that we never get to see, and uh, you know he lands and he's just talking about coming back from the mission and and uh, and making no apologies about the fact that he like was totally nauseous in flight like he was freaking out about yeah. it like apparently the the pilot was doing crazy stunts that he was not totally comfortable with ah uh, but not he ah oh, it's a it's a lady pilot just it like the lady, lady general 
And this this particular lady pilot was a host of uh, Entertainment Tonight for a long time, and actually plays herself in Independence Day. So like it it's just kind of MacGyver just talking about the mission. They they land and he had to get to town right away because a friend of his is turning sixty and yeah. assuming this is Pete. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. <It's laughs> the like, party starts. It's like this has got to be Pete. MacGyver doesn't have any friends. Uh, <laughs> And so he walks into the Phoenix Foundation, and instantly, like, the doors open up to a pitch black room, and it's, that's, I would just not go in as MacGyver. I would just not go into this room, because it's obviously suspicious, but as soon as he walks in, like, everyone jumps out, throws confetti, and is going, surprise! And And it takes him a second to realize, this is not Kelly. Yeah, it's clearly not him. Yeah, and Kelly, like, uh... Pete tells them to pick up all the confetti that's on the ground and everything, (laughs) which they're just going to vacuum it up. They're not going to pick it up, Pete, first of all. But second of all, I was like, okay, well, when we see this Kelly guy, it's going to look, he's going to look something like MacGyver. Exactly. It's not going to be a six-year-old black guy. (laughs) That's for sure. Um, But but Kelly is, in fact, a six-year-old black guy. Yeah, looks nothing like MacGyver. And I don't know what Kelly's job is there. Pete said that they were going to lure him here by telling uh, telling him that there was something wrong with the computers. So I guess he's either some kind of computer tech yeah. or... I'm really hoping that the last line of his suicide note was just that no one remembered it was my birthday and they asked me to come to work. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, would you go to work at 9 o'clock at night if someone called you in and said, oh, the computer's broken on your birthday? No. No, you wouldn't go and, in. And why did they wait so long? Why, did, why didn't... Was, why wasn't... Were they waiting for MacGyver? Or... Because why didn't they just do it at the right at the end of close of business day? Or even just during yeah, business? That doesn't make like, sense. Like, why did it have to be this crazy surprise? Yeah, because they needed time to set up and uh, they've thrown, like, nine accidental surprises. <laughs> The so clean, they haven't even called them yet. The cleaning people come in. Surprise! <laughs> oh, can you clean all this? Put it in a clean bag because we need to reuse it. <laughs> um, I, I actually hope that the confetti is actually shredded uh, top secret documents. Oh, I'm sure it is. It's like, oh, we got tons of this stuff. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so Kelly's not showing up to the party. Right. And uh, people are getting more and more worried. Um it seems like MacGyver is the most worried of all. Mm-hmm. And then in Pete's office, he finds this gift from Kelly to him. Yeah. On his, like, on his birthday, he gave someone else a gift. Mm-hmm. And he gave MacGyver his lucky pool cue, yeah. which looks about half the length of a pool cue. Yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I guess that you're going to, your Maybe pool it cue. extends, or maybe it's just supposed to be short. Like it's a, like a precision pool yeah, cue? I don't know. But either way, um, it came with a note that just said, um... You could use some work with your game, and and this ought to do it, or something like that. Mm. And MacGyver says to Pete, "Look, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give away my old hockey gloves. Like this is, this is a Perfect. sign that something's yeah. wrong." And uh, and MacGyver's the only person that's come to this conclusion. There's maybe thirty people at this party. The guy has three adult children, and nobody yeah. cares about Kelly except for MacGyver. Yeah, and and so MacGyver runs off to go check on him, and Pete just goes, "I'm gonna stay here." Yeah, I'll stay here in case he shows up. But it's like, there's other people here, Pete. You can yeah, help me. There's a dozen other people here. Um, but he gets to uh, Kelly's apartment, and the door's locked, and uh, we're getting glimpses inside of Kelly sort of choking as a phone's ringing in the background. Yeah. And this could be people from the Phoenix Foundation or his own children calling to yeah, wish him wish a happy birthday, birthday or see how he's doing. But uh, he's just choking in the living room. And, yeah, well, uh, his, because he had he has turned off 
turn the on all the gas up. valve. Like he's opened up his fireplace and he uh, took the the heating unit on the wall and um, unplugged the gas in both. Yeah. So Mac gets to the door. He can kind of smell it a little bit. He's mm-hmm. banging on it, pounding on it, trying to get Kelly's attention. And uh, the door is locked, and it's a pretty solid lock. So right. he decides he's gonna make the second use of a fire hose. I don't think we've seen one since the the uh, pilot. The pilot. Yeah. This is a, that's pretty interesting. But this is a a really uh, excellent use of one. I still question whether or not a pocket knife could cut, cut through, through fire hose. But um, he cuts a big section of fire hose off of uh, this hose on the wall. He ties one end of it to the door to Kelly's apartment and the other end of it to, like, the handlebar railing in right. the elevator. And, and and he carefully flattens it by the door so that the, the door sensors don't detect something in the way. Right. And, like, open back up. He carefully lays it down. And uh, he descends the elevator on his way. Luckily, no one else was using it. <laughs> yeah. Like, if, like, it just stops on the next floor, it's not enough the yeah. slack to pull it and someone's getting on um and uh it just it, it, it it's kind of a weird cut because it almost like cuts to the door instantly being broken yeah but um it's a pretty realistic break because you can see like the honeycomb uh interior of yeah, the door right. you know I, I i'm always surprised because like uh you know some doors are like these really solid wooden doors yeah they feel like there's a lot of wood mm-hmm. to them and but the, yeah you it, break them apart and they they're all hollow yeah yeah um and uh, MacGyver gets into the apartment, opens up some windows, turns off the gas. And... Yeah, he knows instantly that this is – everything's all gassed up. Mm-hmm. He can barely even, like, breathe or see in there. Which is also, like – to me, turning on the gas in your in your apartment, as we all know from Fight Club, right. is – it's a really selfish and dangerous thing to do because any number of things can set that apartment off. Yeah, and not and... even just set it off, but the gas can – I mean, your apartment's not – totally airtight either I, I see these videos of like uh gas leaks in homes and you can just see that these houses just are obliterated when the single bit of a spark goes yeah. off i wonder if there's like a responsible suicide psa like if you're gonna kill yourself only take yourself <laughs> don't be a jerk <laughs> come on come on guy this is why nobody likes you <laughs> So MacGyver is trying to, like, get Kelly back on his feet and breathing in the air outside. So and that he can get this story, figure out exactly what's yeah, going yeah, on yeah. with him. Um, is natural gas heavier than air or is it lighter? Um, it must be heavier. I think it, it is it heavier. Sink. Yeah. So, you know, just... Because that's why you're, like, people, when they are killing themselves that way, they put a towel under the door. Right, right. So the apartment is still theoretically filled with gas yeah <laughs> because they only open up a window and that it, was already... a simple spark would set it off like Still, yeah. a pilot light or something yeah, exactly. like what happened with uh it could have happened when he yanked that door off the wall in the middle. sure yeah any number of things could happen um the whole the whole the whole hallway is flooded with gas for sure we're dwelling on this a little bit but i just want you to know unfortunately if the building were to catch fire they would have no firehouse for that hallway <laughs> oh gosh this is just getting worse and worse for this <laughs> building <laughs> these tenants are in danger um so he starts yelling at Kelly about why would you do something yeah. like this and 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 you know and uh, he's telling him that he's you broke. got three kids did you forget about them yeah he, and he apparently lost all his money right and or sixty years worth of savings because mm-hmm. he's been saving since since birth right <laughs> and uh, and uh, he tells you know he you know MacGyver says why didn't you 
come to us. We could have helped you. He's like, I don't like to come to people with my problems. He's like, you don't come to people with your problems. You come to your friends. And Kelly does, he says, well, you don't always remember that. And it really got to me. Yeah. Like, like you think that that you think MacGyver saying you come to your friends is going to be the last line. And, and and MacGyver even concedes to him. Yeah, I was like, gosh, that was a really good back and forth. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and we find out that he lost uh, uh, we lost thirty five thousand. Which I mean, even at the time, like for your life savings, thirty five thousand seems like not that much money for someone who works at the Phoenix Foundation. Like you think yeah. these people are well paid. No. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe. Well, you see MacGyver's apartment. Right. Um, that's true. But then MacGyver makes the point even like, oh, you're always so careful with your money. And it's mm-hmm. like, if he was always so careful with his money, how could he possibly have fallen for like the oldest trick in the book, like yeah. the buying swamp land and thinking and, that it's a good real estate investment? And, and when you see – and when we and when we first are introduced to the con man, James Crow, it's just like he is – 100 percent a con man he yeah is, he's just oozing schemes he's yeah. not he doesn't he's not like it's not like he's coy or he's gonna he, he's actually gonna trick people he's talking like a gangster in like a mm-hmm. 1940s film um and this character by the way is played by richard romanis who we uh, previously had as uh, joey bennett um in the prodigal right another another gangster yeah yeah it's a very similar character and and it's strange because Kelly all of a sudden is suddenly aware of everything that Crow's done. It's just like, you can't go after this guy, Mac. He's killed people. He's a criminal. He's a gangster. It's like, well, if you, how did you find out all this? You find all, did he tell you all this stuff after he swindled you? I'm sure he pulled his file afterwards and was like, I wish I had pulled this file yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I but also, not... um, who do you think MacGyver is that he's not willing to go after someone who's killed people? Like, Isn't that kind of MacGyver's job is to like go out after people who have killed other people and right wrongs and things like yeah, that. Yeah, but um, but Crow had taken uh, over four hundred thousand dollars in total for collectively this, from a group of people. Yeah, from yeah. from this land deal. Yeah. Uh, and uh, which was a one hundred percent legal. I want to just remind the listeners yeah, exactly that the the deal went off without any sort of any illegal transaction. This was a legitimate purchase that was made by people who did not investigate their investment. Yeah. And they lost money. And that's what happens when you make a bad investment. You don't mm-hmm. talk your friend into bullying them out of their money. It's very tragic, but still. Um, also, one of his kids is in graduate school, and the other two are in college right now. Mm-hmm. I wonder how far along they are in college. Yeah, because graduate school and college age is like, it's all pretty close together. Yeah, they're pretty close together, but I just feel like, here's what we're going to do. Pull your kid out of graduate school because that's a waste of his money, <laughs> and then take that money and split it between your kids that are in college, and maybe they'll finish. Otherwise, just take on the debt <laughs> and yeah. keep working for the Phoenix Foundation until your ninetieth surprise party. Because <laughs> every year since he was born, it's been a surprise party. He never expects it. Because <laughs> <laughs> every year they tell him, "Okay, we won't do this again next year." We promise this is the last time. I know you almost killed yourself last year, so this is we're definitely not doing it again. Surprise! Uh, dang. <laughs> That's how he died. Oh, died the way he lived. Be at a surprise, surprise party. <laughs> uh, it's at this point we're introduced to a new character for the Phoenix Foundation, Joanne Remings, who apparently is just an expert in schemes and scams. Yeah, it sounds like she just graduated with her like 
masters in scams in yeah. bunko scams and she just turned in her thesis paper and she wants everyone to read it she she did not graduate from the school of fashion right i can tell you that much. she also doesn't seem to really know too much about scams either um yeah. She does, however, coin the phrase MacGyverisms here in yeah. early in her appearance. You're the guy that does the whatchamacallits. You know, MacGyverisms. Turns one thing into another. That's re- a really exciting thing. We use the term MacGyverisms a lot. And I was concerned for a while that we might be stealing something else from someone else. But... Because it's used popularly on the MacGyver Online website right. and other MacGyver wikis right. and things like that. But. But now I feel I feel better now knowing that it actually came from an episode. Yes, it is. It is a canon term. This is yeah. not something that, so, that we're borrowing or appropriating yeah. from someone else. And to acknowledge that, like MacGyver is this infamous guy who puts together these what you may call it's the MacGyverisms, as she says. Right. Um, it, it lends itself to his like famousness. It's like right. when people like the whole first act of uh, Roadhouse when people keep saying. Oh my God! You're Dalton. You're the world famous bouncer. <laughs> it's like there's no such thing as a world. But you don't even know the bouncer in the next town over, or yeah. even at the club that you go to regularly. There's no such thing as a world famous bouncer. Yeah, I, I feel like bouncer is the kind of job that has like a high turnover. Yeah, <laughs> there's always a better one. And they turn people over a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, that the, when they bring up James Crow's file, you know, they see all these different like. Uh, crimes that have allegedly been committed but he's never been convicted and that the district attorney doesn't want to touch the case or any case that's associated with him because he always seems to get out of it which is a terrible district attorney first of all second of all he is totally going to get out of this too yeah there's no way he doesn't get out of this yeah yeah spoiler alert um there's crazy amounts of evidence in his in in favor of him being a victim of this so i as much as i'm upset by the implications of everything that MacGyver and Pete are doing that is totally illegal in this episode, it's it's totally vindicated because this guy's going to get away with it. He's probably going to get yeah. his $400,000 back. And then we're <laughs> <laughs> just going to be an endless circle. Next episode is, is uh, somebody's 61st birthday. Yep. Just keep cutting to surprise parties. Every day is a surprise party. It's actually not the last surprise party at the Phoenix Foundation we're going to have in this yeah. season alone. Oh my gosh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, it's a very similar start, but um... at this point they come up with an idea to to outcon the con man again, very much like the plot of this thing, right? Where you know they they're gonna they're do... gonna out Bunko Mister Bunko himself. Yeah, uh, and Joanne really wants to be a part of it, but they're they're telling her no because clearly this is not a good idea for you to be a part of it. Right. Because um, we gotta talk about the way she dresses. It's so bizarre. Okay, so she has. Um, these massive like glasses that are really thick and they're yeah. giant rims that kind of take over her whole face. Mm-hmm. She's got this frilled lace collar thing, like like a picture of a of a English queen, like a portrait of an English queen. Yeah, it's kind very of Victorian era collar. Um, and then she's wearing you know shoulder pads and a giant like blouse or whatever. Mm-hmm. But she just looks totally ridiculous. And they did it on purpose to try and make her character like accentuatedly obnoxious to the point that you really yeah. don't want her to be a part of this whole plan mm-hmm. but then they also set her up to be like the ugly duckling like yeah they give her the oh, she's all that you take the glasses off and unbutton your shirt a little bit and bam whoa um hot stuff but yeah so she's pushing them real hard um 
because she thinks she's the expert in Bunko scams. Although it seems like Pete and Mac pretty much have it covered anyway. Like, they're kind of talking to each other mm-hmm. like, oh, we're, well, we're going to do this. And she's like, but we could do the Toledo Twist or the Sacramento Switch. Mm-hmm. Or she doesn't recommend Sacramento Switch. No, no, That's no. one uh, he brings up yeah, later. Yeah. But uh, Pete's kind of like, I don't know. And then MacGyver kind of convinces Pete, come on, Pete, you know you want to do this. He's like, yeah. Yeah, you're right, I do. <laughs> um, um, this, But I haven't been paying attention before this, but this is the first one that I noticed. The first wipe. Oh, okay, like, yeah, like, transition. I don't, know, I don't know if there have been other ones in this episode, but it, it, they do this... Did you do the very Star Wars-esque wipe Well, this the is the same year as Return of the Jedi, right? Yeah. Yeah, so right? may- yeah. maybe they were just like, you know what? I just saw this crazy sci-fi movie, and I'm going to start doing wipes on everything. Everything. <laughs> it um, does happen a lot. There's a lot of wipes and irises over the course of this mm-hmm. episode. It, it's, it's something that I don't think we've really seen in a MacGyver, and it's really a dated television thing to do, period. Like, and yet, it still shows up in the prequel trilogy all over the place. <laughs> that's just okay. You that's know, continuity. Yeah, that's continuity. But um, yeah, doing doing wipes and like weird optical transitions like that aren't weren't really we're starting to be phased out. Yeah, like that was that wasn't really a thing anymore. Um, so it just seemed awkward. It always it's always awkward now to see them. And actually, I, I'm willing to bet this was an editor's contribution because paul krasny directed the racer mm-hmm. we didn't have this crap in the yeah. racer so it's just weird um it doesn't look good <laughs> yeah I, guess, I mean i'm i'm guessing because of the con nature of this episode the kind of heisty maybe that's what it is i tried to watch the sting in preparation for this and and i it's not on netflix and i didn't really have time to like order a copy of it or anything mm-hmm. so I, I didn't get the chance to watch it but maybe maybe it's a direct reference to transitions they use in that yeah I, I mean i know the movie really well i just don't remember the editing transitions yeah so we cut to down at the track the horse racing track also i just wanted to make a quick note despite joanna's perceived prowess in understanding how bunko scams work and like yeah. being the 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 expert on the matter um she keeps referring to things like the toledo twist or the what are what are some other examples of uh, ones Boston that she Bang. says? Well, Boston Bang isn't her though. They yeah. they mention the Boston Bang, but they're all like like an onomatopoeic alliteration yeah, yeah, yeah. where it's like a city and a sound kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not really how those work. Yeah. Like a bunko scam isn't named after a city unless like it's within a group of people who committed that bunko scam in that city. Mm-hmm. So when you say, "Oh, we could do the Toledo twist to someone who you just met," They would be like, "What are you talking about?" Because I haven't, I didn't do anything with you guys in Toledo, so I don't know what your Toledo twist yeah, is. Exactly. Like everyone has a different Toledo twist based on what scam they did in Toledo. I also wonder why Toledo was such a big target for these guys, because I feel like because it's a fun thing to say. It's probably really. It's just because it's fun to say, but it's also like definitely appears. I I feel like that one definitely gets used. Toledo specifically gets mentioned in the Sting or the Sting Two. Yeah. Because Toledo is just one of those towns that you think of con men hitting. It kind of reminds me of something like the Music Man. Like yeah. Like the places that he he would hit a place like Toledo. Yeah, it's, it sounds like somewhere that that would that would be conned into buying a monorail. No. So now we cut to Crow. Uh, our first introduction really to Crow down at the racetrack, where he's or he's apparently lost money on a horse. And he tells his goons to go and uh, find a trainer. Because they need to have a conversation. Yeah, a very, very active conversation, I believe is what he says. Yeah. 
And uh, at this point, MacGyver and Pete come in in character. Uh, in, okay, mistake one. Come in in their characters. MacGyver and <laughs> Pete. <laughs> That's Why are you using your real names? This guy can look you up if he wants to. Yeah. Like This is a terrible, terrible plan. Yeah. MacGyver is so famous that just mentioning him conjures up images of MacGyverisms. Mm. And, and they already follow, and will, they will follow one of them home. Right. Like, later on. Yeah. And it's kind of like, okay, well, if if you, you you can put this together really easy. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll soon find that Crow is not the smartest criminal. Right. So, how he's managed to avoid prison is, well, because he's not committing any crimes. Yeah. We keep forgetting that. <laughs> <laughs> he's the good guy in this episode. Crow, that's why he's wearing white. Right. Oh my gosh, it all fits. <laughs> um, so Mag and Pete come down uh, the steps and sit in front of Crow and just start like kind of bantering back and forth about the horse that they bet on and MacGyver's not going to tell Pete what he bet on for him because it's, it won't come true otherwise but Pete's recommending Ireland's own yeah and uh, and Mac says ah he's a mutter he only runs in the rain but mm-hmm. it's like would this whole thing have fallen apart if Ireland's own won the race yeah, <laughs> like cause he's just like, oh, just kidding. I picked that one. It's like, okay, well, you're not Midas because I told you to pick that one. Yeah, and uh, I guess he had like a what one in eight chance. How yeah, many, how many horses are in a horse race at eight? Something like that. Anyway, <laughs> my but uh, but Mac goes up and and basically bets the same amount of money on every horse. Right. So he's he's losing money overall, but he's he's tricking Pete into thinking that he has the Midas touch. At least that's the right. idea behind the scam. So, because one of the one of the horses that he bet on was Chocoholic, who ends up winning the race, then that makes him look like, oh, you're a genius because you yeah. picked that that horse with such crazy odds. But he doesn't realize that he lost all the rest of the money. And and they're talking loudly enough that Crow is like listening in. Crow sees MacGyver go through the tickets that he's purchased. And, and there's it, actually a third person involved in this yeah, scam oh, yeah. uh, that's sitting on the other side of Pete that. Uh, Starts shouting at Pete, and then Pete says, like, ah, why don't you quiet down? I can't concentrate. And and the guy says, uh, I'm going to call the police on you. Yeah. Needlessly. Yeah. Yeah. And then he says, oh, you're going to call the police? You got a policeman right here. And he waves a badge in his face. Yeah, Pete. Which, uh, crime Pete one. Yeah. Pete, yeah impersonating Pete, a police officer. <laughs> impersonating an officer of the law is illegal, and Pete is pretending to be one here. Uh, he's not like utilizing his powers as an officer of the law, That's but true. he's definitely implying to a crowd and threatening people with mm-hmm. his official capacity as a law enforcer. And uh, this also gets Crow's attention. And so when the horse wins, you know, and Pete gets his gets his Pete ticket, pretends to be really excited, which I feel like Pete's performance as the victim of this scam is great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Plus, he's getting MacGyver's money. <laughs> he yeah, goes, yeah. He's going to go up to the ticket booth and get all his money. Yeah. MacGyver's not even going to break even on this deal. Yeah. And uh, But then Crow really, without any kind of caution or any kind of forethought, just goes up and sits next to MacGyver. You wonder if he does this with every like common criminal that he encounters. Yeah. Like, that's a pretty lame con you're running on the cop. What are you talking about? I saw all the other tickets, and it's like, all right, why don't you move along? Yeah, <laughs> don't talk yeah, to me. Yeah, stranger. Stranger in white. Um, and uh, oh, we, we should mention, though, that uh, Pete, before he goes, had mentioned that he had a job that's going to make some big money if MacGyver doesn't mind getting a little dirty. Right, and again, loud enough for Crow to hear. Right. So Crow's interested now in this deal, 
and is willing to throw in money to these to this complete stranger and MacGyver is willing as as the criminal willing to trust this complete stranger right it, it, it's all just too easy it's too easy i know it's television but i don't know if you realize how easy a crime is it's that easy it's just that you just introduce yourself to him hey yeah. you want to commit some crimes yeah yeah <laughs> that's why people do that stuff because it's easy everything is gta in the real world <laughs> Um, um, so he says, "Meet me in twenty minutes or something." Yeah, at the, over by this uh, inside the stables. Yeah, which to me is weird too. That like, there's public access to the stables. I mean, I guess. Why are you paying this trainer to dope the horse when you could just walk into the stables anytime right? you want? Um. So MacGyver makes it to the stables first and gets this inkling that someone's following him, so he kind of like hides out in one of the little stalls and grabs who it is. And it turns out to be Joanne. Of course. And uh, he's like, what are you doing here? Why did you follow me? And she is saying that she wanted to get some field experience. And, you know, so she wants to be a part of this because this is her her area of expertise. Or um, so she claims. Yeah, so she claims. I don't know if, if you can get a degree in this. But uh, this is where we get our first iris out to black for the commercial break. And it's, again, a very odd and peculiar and noticeable difference for this what what is episode. the what is the focus of the iris is it go to, does it close on his face? face okay uh and because still weird because it ends with him saying what are you doing here and then it comes back with like as if he had asked the question again what are you doing here following you why what yeah. are you doing oh here? yeah that's such a weird <laughs> delivery what are you doing here <laughs> uh and so now they're both hiding in the stall as Crow comes in and starts beating the crap out of the trainer. Uh, and because so, he's like, you know, next time I tell you to dope a horse, you bet you're going to do it. But then he's, but then then he's he going to kill him. And then he threatens to kill him. Which, I bet you I won't. Because the <laughs> next time you tell me, I'm going to be dead. <laughs> and Crow just immediately hands him 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you win. Bang. Takes his money back. <laughs> He lives by a code. Um, so, you know, there, you know, Joanne is now concerned for this trainer that is probably going to be killed to death. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. I'm leaving that. Does it seem like he's going to kill him? Like, I don't know. It, he's just roughing him up really bad. Yeah. And it's, you know, she says that he's going to get killed. Yeah. But, but then as we pointed out that Crow says, I bet the next time, yeah, so maybe he's it. not, but it just feels really, like, final, the way this yeah. whole fight is going. Also, he has a guy standing guard outside the door, which typically in that situation, the guy standing outside is supposed to be a lookout Yeah. to tell you that someone's coming and to stop what you're doing or to stop that person from seeing what's happening. Exactly. And the guy's just standing there, and MacGyver and Joanne walk up, and he just kind of nods at them while the guy's getting beaten <laughs> yeah. in the background over his shoulder. It's like, hey, how you guys doing? Did you enjoy the race? <laughs> yeah. I'm a chocoholic. Good pick, buddy. <laughs> uh, and But uh, before that, though, MacGyver had given uh, Joanne the kind of My Fair Lady treatment. Right. Uh, he... he they they make it they set it up as a as a MacGyverism, like yeah. they start playing the MacGyver, and it's like it's like give me your glasses, okay, great, you know, 
now give me a couple of your buttons. And it's just like, oh, he's going to put something together. It's like, no, he's just trying to spruce And she up. thinks the same thing. She's, yeah. she's sort of voicing that, like, oh, my gosh, oh, I'm going to be a part of a MacGyverism. Okay, here's all that stuff. And so uh, Crow is, like, surprised that MacGyver's there so early. And they let he, the train. He says, he says, what are you, what are you doing? You're here early. And then MacGyver says, my watch is fast. Mm-hmm. But didn't the guy say, meet me in 20 minutes? Like, it wouldn't matter if your watch was fast. 20 minutes from now is 20 minutes from now. Yeah. Unless it just runs fast all the time. Yeah, it's literally like five minutes every 20 minutes you're losing. That's the worst watch ever. So, uh, you know, Crow lets uh, the trainer go, and they start discussing what their plan is. Now, MacGyver is trying to lay out the plan, but Joanne then interrupts and says that the plan is about a cocaine deal. Right. Which and, it seems like MacGyver didn't want to complicate it that much. Yeah, and MacGyver is now since this this is now established, he can't contradict what she said. He's, he has to. He's yes anding. He has to yes and. Yeah, and uh, and so this has put them in a situation where now they have to change the plan from the Boston Bang to the Toledo Twist. Right, because the Toledo Twist is just her favorite. Yeah, or it's what she she feels would be better for this situation he includes joanne in the scam by saying that um pete basically has the hots for her and they've been Mm -hmm. using they've been setting her up as bait for the cop and he'll kind of go along with anything that she pushes him into right uh so then it's back to the foundation where you know macgyver again is once again kind of like berating her for for interfering and that they were changing the plan yeah again from the boston bang to the Toledo twist right and so MacGyver goes to break the news to Pete, and Pete's super excited. He's got, like, a bag. He's like, oh, I got everything we need for the Boston Bang. Yeah. Which um, we're assuming is some kind of explosive I mean, it, it has to be, right? Like, the typically, like, okay, so twist would mean you're you're tricking them at the last second. Like, there's right. something that's going to change. The When there's when it's a switch, then it's, like, it's a, it's a bait-and-switch type thing. Mm. But for Bang, it's, like... This has to end with an explosion and loot being yeah. snuck out during the aftermath. Explosion, or I would say a shootout, maybe. Yeah, like, potentially. Like yeah. again, oh, I, I don't want I don't want to spoil the sting if people haven't seen it, but uh, to set up a, a stage where people will get shot. Right. Yeah. Really yeah. Shot, you know? Yeah. Uh, so now they're doing the Toledo twist, and this involves them asking Crow for uh, a pound of. 90% pure cocaine. Right. See, I'm, I'm immediately drawn away from that because I, like, I always, I always refer to cocaine in kilos. I don't know. That's, That's just true. Me. They say pound. They say pound. That's weird. Uh, like who separated it after it came in from Colombia into pounds? Yeah. It's like, it's already in kilos. It's like, okay, now the American market, <laughs> because they still, because you know, I don't know anything about drug culture, but it still seems like they operate in metric. Yeah, they definitely like they do. Grams and well, I mean, if you want to be extremely technical, America adopted the metric system in like the seventies. That's the official. Yeah. Met like that's the official measurement system of the United States, but nobody uses it just because right. they don't use it. But uh, drug culture has been the the early adopter of the metric system in America. Yeah, because it's necessary for international business. Yeah, because for the most part, that stuff isn't a local growth. But yeah. uh, lately, that's kind of changing with some of them. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Crow's kind of nervous that he has to go get some cocaine, and uh, but uh, you know 
he's willing. He he's very easily convinced. Yeah, MacGyver essentially calls him a chicken. He, maybe yeah. you're getting a little too careful, and he, and immediately he's like already like soul searching, like oh, oh yeah. my god, maybe I am. <laughs> god, the gypsy was right. Uh, it's more like a, maybe it's just my natural instinct to avoid breaking the law ever. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so the plan is he brings the pound of Coke to a hotel. And There's an important line here, too, where um, he says, what, are you getting nervous? You think he's uh, you think he's going to bust you or something? He says, no, I, I know he wouldn't do that. I mean, I'd have him for entrapment, like, immediately. Like, this is very obviously what you're doing is entrapment. Yeah. And that's still the case for the whole rest of the episode. Yeah, exactly. He, he can still make a case for everything that happens as entrapment. Yeah. Um. Although, is it entrapment if you're not actually a police officer? Well, he's posing <laughs> as a police officer, so I would say yes. That's true. He's Especially considering that no one has any evidence of him doing anything illegal except for them. Mm-hmm. And they never present any evidence. Yeah. They, but, I mean, they, we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, so, the plan is for Crow to meet them at a hotel. And they've, rent, they've uh, rented two hotel rooms and apparently right. cut a hole in the wall. And put up a, a, a one-way mirror or a two-way – oh, is, is it a two-way mirror or a one-way mirror? A two-way mirror. It's a, it's, a, it's a one-way mirror, but aren't all mirrors one-way? <laughs> wow. Yes, they are. Yeah, you're right. All mirrors are one-way mirrors, yeah. so it's a really weird way. So I guess it would be a two-way mirror, but I don't know what the official term for them. It's basically a piece of glass. I think it's considered a one-way mirror because – a regular mirror, you don't look at it through the other way, so that right. you're just discounting that use oh, at all. It's a mirror one way, one way, and then the other way. It's a window, but there is no other way for a regular mirror because right. it's typically on a wall. Okay, problem That's... solved. So they show Crow the room on the side of the mirror side, and he immediately goes and checks it out. And he checks it out with a lighter, and I've never tried that. I mean, I, I don't carry a lighter, so I don't know exactly what he was looking for. The way I check uh, for one-way mirrors is I put my finger on the glass. Right. Because a mirror will have a gap between – because there's an actual layer of glass before the reflective coating. Yeah. Um, but a, a one-way mirror, it, it, the surface is the reflective coating. Right. So if you want to set up a one-way mirror and trick Richard with it, put yeah. glass in front of your one-way yeah, mirror. It's, it's one of the things – I mean this is maybe telling a little bit too much of my paranoia. I check the mirrors in dressing rooms. Sure. Like, I'm always really concerned that... I'm worried that they're not one-way mirrors. <laughs> I'm like, excuse me, this is a regular mirror in here. Who is supervising my clothing? Yeah, I could be stealing stuff. You don't know? Someone um, should be watching me. <laughs> sometimes I feel like... <laughs> Somebody's watching me! Uh, that's as much as we can legally sing. <laughs> It's not. It has nothing to do with copyright. We're, we're legally forbidden from singing. <laughs> um, the hotel that they're staying at is called the Beverly Canyon Hotel. In the show. In the show. Um, in reality, this is the Garland Hotel, which is on Vineland, just off the 101 freeway in, uh, I think it's like Sherman Oaks-ish area. Studio City. Yeah. Um, I had a friend who lived right across the street from it by the name of Jordan. <laughs> Hello, Jordan. Thank you for listening. Um, and uh, I recognized it from all the flags sticking off of the front of it. But I was like, I know I've seen that before. And I looked up pictures from um, from the front with, like, the taller building in the background mm-hmm. of it. 
And uh, it's definitely not the hotel that you're seeing the interiors of the rooms oh, yeah, from yeah. because the Garland Hotel is actually a really, really fancy hotel. Although um, Joanne is very impressed by the state of the room. That's true. She's overly impressed. <laughs> this single room. It looks like like if the Madonna Inn had a like crap-themed room. <laughs> <laughs> the crappy hotel room. <laughs> the <sweet>. crappy hotel room. <laughs> um, it costs the most out of all of it. Just as like yeah. a novelty. It's the utility room. You can tell that all the mirrors are one way. <laughs> Just heavy breathing. (laughs) There's just speakers behind your mirrors. (sighs) All of your cocaine has been replaced with baby formula. Yeah. You're just like, what happened to my coke? (laughs) Which one is it? No, I have to do all this. (laughs) Only one of these bags is coke. Uh, so Crow inspects the room, sees the what they're going to do is they have a briefcase full of I think like powdered milk or maybe it was baby formula, baby powdered. It was powdered milk, I think. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, and uh, I feel like baby formula is a better match for Coke, but it also totally depends on what you're getting. Yeah. And they were totally guessing at the at the color of it. Like you could have one white bag and nine like off white bags, mm. and then nobody's gonna fall for that. Yeah. Uh, but the, the the scam is you have a basically only one real bag of Coke, and so when they ask to test it, you use the real bag, and then they get the rest of it is is crap. Uh. Crow identifies this as the Sacramento Switch, which um, is probably the dumbest scam I've ever heard of. Yeah. Just because, first of all, they don't let you pick the bag that you're going to test. That's like, the that's oldest very, trick in that's the a, book. Yeah, it is the oldest trick in the Coke dealing book. Like, if they're going to test a bag, they pick the bag mm-hmm. because why would they trust you to give them a prime example of the content? Yeah. I mean, best case scenario, you can do 50-50 and just like take your chances with it and mm-hmm. then just get shot if you're screwed right but for the most part yeah they're not gonna they're not gonna just be like oh i'm gonna try this one okay let me try that one then i'm assuming everything else is in order everything here seems on the level right <laughs> uh the ring came off my pudding can <laughs> monorail, two monorail references in the in a single episode <laughs> um and so the plan is now to have kelly come in uh, in disguise, which again a terrible idea because Crow and Kelly know each other. Yeah, what that part of um, Pete obviously is very disappointed that they're not going with the Boston Bang, mm-hmm. and he says, "Well, for the Toledo Twist, we'd need another person." And then MacGyver says, "I have just the guy," and then it's Kelly wearing a beard. Yeah, which is the worst idea for a number of reasons, chief of which being that they work at the Phoenix Foundation with dozens of other agents that they yeah. could have used for this. This could have been Craig Bannister easily. Yeah, I, I know Pete said that they didn't want to get like other people involved, but... They already involved they already... that guy needlessly at the racetrack. Yeah, and and now Joanne's involved. Like, yeah. you're... I think people are getting involved. I feel like Bannister even owes Mac this after like oh. pointing a gun at him and almost killing him at the symposium. Yeah, and you know, exposing his wife as an intelligence leak. I mean... I think he would do it, and uh, and it would have been nice to see yeah. Michael Goodwin again. But whatever. Let's have Kelly wear a beard and look exactly like Kelly. At least they didn't give him a name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, good. My drug dealer, Kelly, is here. Oh, yeah. It's like, I know that name. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I had to... That guy I looks had... just like you, MacGyver. <laughs> <laughs> same same build? No, not the same build. No, 
different builds. Yeah. Um, I have to admit, though, when Kelly swaggers off the elevator uh, with the beard and in the suit with a cane and everything. With the cowboy hat. Yeah. I was like, hey, he's got some style going on. Yeah. And uh, he's got a briefcase full of money. And so he comes in, you know, uh, Crow, Joanne, and MacGyver are watching from the one side of the mirror from the next room over. And we see they literally just cut a gaping hole in the wall. Like it, yeah, they, it's not like it's a clean cut either. It looks yeah. like they tore it open mm-hmm. with like hammers and stuff. And uh, and in the meantime, Pete is in the other room with Kelly. Again, Pete pretending to be a cop, and Kelly now pretending to be the uh, buyer. Right. So they've they've racked up quite a bill at the Beverly Canyon Hotel. Yeah. Maybe they're just gonna leave that that pound of coke behind. Like, this you guys know it. what to do with this. I'm sure you guys can make this work. Uh, housekeeping is going to get so many floors clean. <laughs> <laughs> that place is going to sparkle. Uh, so Kelly, again, as the buyer, uh, tests the test bag with uh, some kind of, it's a chemical the test. The designated by the salesperson test bag. Yeah. and But he does a chemical test. So he's just kind of like, like he's mixing like pool chemicals and testing the, yeah. the chlorine levels. There's too much chlorine in this Coke. <laughs> it's going to kill me. Uh, and, uh, but then, like, as Kelly pulls a gun, because the whole deal, the whole deal is supposed to go awry. I yeah. imagine what's supposed to happen here is that... A Toledo twist is where, where the deal gets fouled up, someone gets murdered, um, yeah. on at least one side of the argument, and then everyone is just disperses to avoid being well, involved no I, th- I still think this is all part of the setup oh okay because i think th- i feel because pete had his gun already with blanks kelly had his gun with blanks i think this was all in- intended to scare Cro- this scarecrow <laughs> there you go um to, to, to show that they meant business that they were capable because uh because they wouldn't get their money it wouldn't get the- crow's not given four hundred thousand dollars and that's the whole point. All is they got the was a bag of coke out of it. Exactly. Yeah. I still, but uh, what goes wrong in that when Kelly pulls the gun on Pete to pretend as if the deal is not going right, they don't. They're not prepared for Crow to have his own gun. Right. And uh, so Crow takes initiative and is going to shoot shoot through the glass. MacGyver tries to stop him, but he push pushes MacGyver out of the way. But MacGyver turns a light to try and blind him yeah and so there's a moment momentary hesitation but for crow who can't quite see but he points his gun and shoots just at the same time pete draws his gun and shoots and you just see kelly get knocked back yeah and fall to the ground yeah he bleeding. hits the wall hard like yeah. that's a cool stunt and so kelly's on the ground bleeding we don't know if he's alive or not uh and uh so then like the next you know the next act is everyone running into the room to see what's going on and they you know they tell crow you gotta get out of here yeah they're like um, oh this is all messed up this is a crime scene now get out of here yeah and he's like not all at once <laughs> yeah to like, get crow to leave by himself first yeah uh and so crow's now like super concerned about the deal because uh, obviously this deal's gone wrong yeah he's out a bag of coke that's really all he's out though yeah so far and uh but it turns out kelly is okay he wasn't really shot and we don't know where Crow's bullet went. Yeah, but uh, Kelly would have had a squib in order to sell the shot from Pete mm-hmm. in, in the first place. 
but as far as we know he's actually been shot and we're worried until mac is leaning over him screaming in his face like kelly kelly and he's like i'm dead not deaf or something like that um and uh so pete looks at the briefcase full of money that kelly had brought in says i better get this money back to the vault and kelly's all wait you mean that money's real you told me it was fake and then, and then all... well, there, there's a line from Mac here that I love because his face is already like, I'm about to get yelled at by Pete. He's like, I didn't want it to affect your performance. <laughs> and he's like squinting with his eyes closed yeah. already like, oh, God. And Pete's like, you didn't tell him this was real money. <laughs> like, what was he going to do? Throw it off the building like they needed yeah. it for the scam. Plus, also, does the Phoenix Foundation just have all this money in cash, in liquid cash on yeah. hand? Yeah. That's probably why he didn't tell him that it was real money. They just never see Kelly again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks, guys. I outbunko the bunko bunkers. Yeah, he goes and meets Crow behind the building. I told you I could scam him for 400,000. I don't even have All my kids are going to graduate school. I'm going to be sitting on doctors. And really, if they have that much money in liquid assets, all Kelly needs is thirty-five grand. Yeah, give him a loan. Yeah, I mean he's good for it. If they don't make thirty-five thousand a year at the Phoenix Foundation, yeah, what are they doing there? They're getting government contracts. Yeah, they're getting government money. I don't know. And did you see those computers? They need seriously. Money. Even for the time, that's inexcusable. So now they go back to Crow, and like Crow's all paranoid about the deal. He says. Uh, well, they're meeting him at the exact same place, yeah. which is the bridge over the Sepulveda Dam. Yeah. Um, oh, actually, though, before that, though, because Crow comes out to meet his driver and, right. and says, things went crazy in there. I'm worried. I want some insurance. And that's when we see Joanne walk out. And this is where I saw the shot of, of all the flags sticking mm-hmm. off the front of the hotel where I was like, I know where this is. And so he's in the car with his driver, Crow, and he says, follow her let me know where she lives and then crow gets out and the driver drives off and, and he just checks back into the hotel <laughs> you just see this look on crow's face like wait a minute yeah <laughs> it reminded me of like the naked gun where Leslie nielsen just runs up like he's chasing after some guy he runs up to a cab and goes follow that car and the cab just takes off without him <laughs> so again now like, as you said back at the dam right um they're uh, rehearsing the next part of the plan which is to uh, basically go into the evidence locker at a police station in which Pete has, as Pete Thornton, the real Pete Thornton, fed his information into the computer that he's a real cop. Which is triple illegal. Yeah, because he's not informing the police station that this is there's a scam going on. Right. That they're trying to catch a con man. Yeah. Uh, they're in possession of a pound of cocaine. Uh-huh. They've impersonated police officers. Yep. Now they're hacking into police equipment mm-hmm. to get access to an evidence locker. This is so illegal what Pete's it, doing. It's really kind of ridiculous. I know you're supposed to kind of gloss over it. and You're supposed but, to excuse it because you, you still have this vague like DXSE understanding of, yeah. of what the Phoenix Foundation is. It's not government oriented. This is a... This is a civilian think tank. Mm-hmm. Like, in Ocean's Eleven, when they're robbing Benedict, you, they have no illusions that they are crooks, that yeah. they are criminals, that they are committing a crime, even though they're robbing the batter guy. Yeah. 
but there's no point that you that you think that they're actually doing the right thing. Right, exactly. You just know they're doing the wrong thing, but to a jerk. Yeah, and and in here in this situation, it's really tarnishing everything. It's tarnishing the Phoenix Foundation. It's tarnishing MacGyver and Pete's. It's games. making the local police look bad that oh, their really system bad. is that easy to get into. But the new plan now, as part of the twist, is to retrieve a trunk. That's going to be... This is where it gets needlessly complicated. Yeah, really complicated. And also, the fact that they need exactly $400,000 should have been a massive red flag for Crow. Yeah. Who just recently came into exactly $400,000. Mm-hmm. And they need Ask it. for a half million. Take an extra hundred. Yeah. Or, like, barely less. But it's, it doesn't make sense. To cover expenses. Yeah. You know? Um, and, and, again, to need so much money... When they're going to use fake money for the rest of it. Right. It's like they're just trying to make the top layer look like real money. As if that's the only thing. You know, when you're when you're checking something yeah. into evidence, you just open it up and look and get a... You, know, you take everything out. I only check about $400,000 deep. Yeah. After that, I stop. Because what are the chances that there's more money in there that's not real? Uh, the logic is super flawed. It could have yeah. been a stack of hundreds across the top of the box, and it would have been just as convincing. Mm-hmm. But they already showed that they had a briefcase full of money that they could have used for this. Yeah. It, yeah, what, yeah, exactly. What happened to the money that they got from the Coke dealer? It's all in evidence, I guess. Oh, that's true. That's true. It is in evidence. I do. Okay, you're right. I was going to say, like, that, would have, that would have been my first question. But, yeah, it just... Yeah, it's weird. So, but their plan is uh, to take... To take Crow's four hundred thousand dollars, this is their joint again criminal plan. Uh, to take the money in to the evidence room in which there is two million dollars stashed. Here's here's the bigger problem. They need four hundred thousand dollars so they can take two million dollars, right? Right. So they're leaving four hundred thousand dollars in the evidence locker. Right. Why don't they leave four hundred thousand of the original two million in the evidence locker? They're taking $2 million in cash, so they already right, have right. the cash on hand. What do they need his money for? I don't they, know. You make the same amount of money either way. Either way, you're coming out with sixteen or 1.6. Because you're taking 400000 in that you're not taking back out. I, would, I guess I would say to maintain the illusion that the briefcase that they bring in evidence is still real, but that's... Doesn't make sense either. Yeah. Yeah. This. If Pete's allowed to go in there and take this trunk, mm-hmm. then they don't need to bring any evidence. Like the point. Like if he just yeah, needs access true. to the cage, all he needs to do is get the trunk. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. You're you're absolutely right. That doesn't that doesn't make any sense. Crow did not even listen to what they were telling him. All he yeah. heard was the outcome, and he was like, "What do you wow. need? What are the ingredients for two million dollars? Okay, here's four hundred thousand. Give me two million dollars." That's crazy. Crow is actually super dumb. Yeah, he's really terrible at being this criminal. Yeah. And and I almost feel even worse for him now. <laughs> um it's almost like they're taking advantage of him. Yeah. And like he's like mentally handicapped and they're taking advantage of him by forcing him to break the law. Wow. So so this is the new plan. Uh and they're they're kind of okay with it, but Crow is 
still hesitant. So he plans to kidnap Joanne. Right, as and, collateral. Yeah, so he sends his goons uh, to Joanne's place while MacGyver's there making a peace offering. Yeah, just they, coincidentally MacGyver showed up with yeah. like a sandwich to apologize for not letting her be a part of this. Yeah, because uh, she, she's been kicked out of the finale. Like they, Even though she knows where it's happening mm-hmm. and that didn't stop her before. Exactly. Uh, so we catch her in the middle of her weird fetish of photogra- photographing food. Food with stuff in it. Yeah. Like, she Nails. says, I like to photograph weird things when I'm angry. So she has, like, oranges with a bunch of bullets in them. Yeah. Or, like, breakfast with nails in it and stuff like that. It's a bizarre... One, I think it's really interesting that they had those photos made yeah. for this scene. I got the impression that maybe this was something that someone actually did who was yeah. a friend of the cast. And they were like, can we put this stuff on the show and we'll just make it, like, about one of our characters? Because I, I honestly don't even think they took those pictures for this episode. Yeah. And it also needlessly sets up this encounter with the goons. Yeah. Like, where... Well, the only point was so that he would be at her house when they come to take her. Yeah. And so the goons come to the house and they cut the power. And and she's got this whole... She's got this whole film set up. She's got, like, flash bulbs and uh, light stands and all this stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and so MacGyver is going to set up a little booby trap for the goons, which requires, uh, you know, he's going to use the flash bulbs, which need power now. So he says, you have a flashlight. And, and, and of I, course she has the exact world war two yeah, era flashlight that he yeah, was referring to. I'm thinking a flashlight that's going to have like 2d batteries in it, but instead it's like a flashlight that carries like a miniature car battery. Yeah. And he wires them into the flash bulbs and then has the two exposed wires laying on the carpet and then it balances a knife precariously on two matchbooks so over that, the top so that the stepping on the knife would press it down against the exposed ends of each wires and complete the circuit why not just have her turn on the light at the second that you need it and then punch them because they they can see what's happening out there uh, it, also it wouldn't the blinding effect, if it's going to affect them, affect you guys just as much? Yeah, MacGyver would have had, would have had to... I mean, obviously, like they, they were kind of like shielded on one side. Right. But it's still going to create a burst of light. Yeah. So he would have had to have closed his eyes at the exact second. And the only way he would be able to do that is if he knew exactly when they were stepping, which meant that they could have triggered the light themselves. Yeah. Um, so it makes as much sense as needing $400,000... To trade it out for two million dollars for yeah, no reason. Yeah, it it really doesn't work. It's a it's a very silly MacGyverism. It was almost like an excuse to put an extra thing in the show. Yeah. Um, because even though MacGyver manages to to knock out the goons, they run out to the car and Crow just shoots a bullet right through the windshield. Right of the jeep. Right. Yeah. This is his jeep. Of, of his jeep because it doesn't start, and then we can only assume that they must have disabled it before they came in the sure, house. Sure. Yeah. Um and. Crow takes Joanne now as collateral. Which he could just as easily have done on the bridge. Yeah. I mean, because he had his guys there. and But he, I guess he just wanted to do it in secret, and now that's not an option anymore. So he's like, all right. Yeah. Um, so. And honestly, if they'd have taken her in secret and she wasn't involved in the process, then they might not have known that he had her until they got to that police station. And then mm-hmm. they wouldn't have been able to work up their whole plan. So that would have been actually a really smart move on his part. Yeah. Because they wouldn't have been able to coordinate, like, pretending that they don't care about her. Yeah, which is then part of their new plan. Yeah, because now they, they know she's been taken, 
And the only way that they can sell um, this whole double crossing situation is if he thinks that they don't care about Joanne. Mm-hmm. Because they need Crow to follow them into the police station. Right. So the next day, it's the time for the big the big twist. This is the, 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 the big... This is the Toledo twist. Mm-hmm. So MacGyver and Pete arrive. They got the money. They got Crow's money, and they're 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 stacking it on top of the fake money in the briefcase. Yeah. And all the while, they're kind of like going, "Yeah, money." And Crow's like kind of like coaxing them, say, "Aren't you aren't you worried about your girlfriend?" They're like, "Oh yeah, how is she? She's fine. She's got a gun to her head." He's like, "Oh." Well, and then they kind of look around for a second. He's like, "You're not gonna find her, mm-hmm. even though she's in." Like when he says, "You're not gonna find her." There's like a trailer parked like 20 feet behind mm-hmm. him, and she's in that trailer, and it's the only car parked anywhere near the station. Yeah, and it's the most conspicuous vehicle around. Yeah. But they shouldn't have even looked around. Like, yeah. I feel like if he said, yeah, she's got a gun pointed to her head, they should have just been like, oh, shoot. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, oh, so wait, don't, don't shoot. Don't, don't <laughs> shoot her, please. Uh, and so Crow is now, uh, once again, suckered into them. It's like, well, oh, wait a minute, maybe this girl doesn't mean as much to you as I thought. Yeah. Uh, so now I'm going with you. I'm going with you into the police station. Whoa, 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 Crow! That wasn't part of the plan at all. <laughs> well, now you're gonna have two witnesses. Because the the part of the plan earlier was that Mag- the only reason he's allowed to bring MacGyver into the evidence cage, which of course would never yeah, be allowed never. anywhere, is that uh, he's he's gotta take a a, a bunch of uh, information from this guy. This mm-hmm. guy's a witness to a crime. In the evidence room. Yeah. So Crow is now going in with them. Right. And as soon as they kind of get out of the sight of the goons. Well, before they get out of the sight of the goons, he on their on their way into the police station, he turns to the goons and says, uh, "When you see me coming out with a with that chest, you can let her go." Yeah. That's that's going to be the signal that you can let her go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as soon as they get out of sight, uh, they pull a fake. They they do the old like hand in the pocket gun trick yeah and he just pulled last week <laughs> on uh, michael simmons yeah but that was the, that, that was, was the that bre- was the, the breast the boob tap, tap yeah <laughs> the moob tap <laughs> i might have something in here. i might have oh my god i need to see a doctor <laughs> get yourself checked people oh man uh, breast cancer affects men too yeah. don't forget also if you're gonna kill yourself do it responsibly So they, it's kind of weird. I I can't really tell where they're leading Crow. They lead him up and out into the back of the police station. It looks like yeah. Um, and then they immediately throw him into the back of a truck, drive the truck around to the back of the police station, and then force him to strip strip so that Mike Ivor can wear a suit. Right. And then they which put a, their whole plan was to trick him into going in with them. Yeah. So they knew they were going to have to trade clothes with him. Or at least pose as him coming out of the station. Like, right, that was a right. part of their plan the whole time. And they, they've they made the point before, in this episode, that the only clothes he owns are silk suits and Panama hats. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't they already have a silk suit and a Panama hat? Just ready to go. Yeah. Because why even make the point that this is the only thing that he ever wears if you're going to have to take the clothes from him later anyway? Mm-hmm. It just it seemed weird to me that they... they labored on the point and then it didn't pay off in them already having the suit yeah so they force they force him into a trunk yeah and they they put on the false 
the false top and then just kind of casually spread fake cocaine on the top of the false top and then close up the trunk. I don't even know why they needed to do that part. Yeah. Where does that trunk even go? Well, that's the that, that's the trunk that they're taking in to the evidence room. Oh, okay. Uh, again, Pete posing as a cop goes to the evidence room and says, "We need to check in this trunk." And you know, MacGyver's pretending to be a pickpocket. And uh, who there for some reason letting into the evidence locker with Pete? Again, never would there, happen. There's no procedure, and there's no one else on duty in the evidence room. Apparently, it's just this one guy, and he's go- about to go on his lunch break. Yeah, and so. He needs to go, the, the, the officer on duty needs to go get something signed. So he goes, while MacGyver has, like, he had, like, kind of jammed something into the lock so it wouldn't actually close. And so they get into the evidence room, and they, they, they get crawled out of the trunk. They tie him up. He's blindfolded and gagged. And then just Pete, Pete starts loading up junk into the trunk. And MacGyver shorts out kind of like the alarm, right. the door buzzer. Yeah. All the while, like the cop... Like vandalizing the evidence yeah. locker. All, all the while, the, the cop who needs to get the thing signed is just being delayed by bureaucratic, pointless kind of a joke. It's a weird joke. It's like we're supposed to be laughing at, like, oh, he can't get anything done because it's so busy. But he's also but, not willing to stand in line. Yeah. He's just kind of, like, meandering back and forth. And in the meantime, outside, Kelly is is sitting very conspicuously in a van and an officer comes out and kind of like, is like, Oh, who's that guy reading that newspaper in that van? And you get like this inkling that, Oh, he's, he's caught. Yeah. Like he's like, this is going to be the thing. Like and the cop goes, Hey, excuse me. It's like, Oh crap. He's like, can I see your sports section? Right. Oh, Oh sure. Here. Um, but that actor who plays the cop, yeah, the actor, I'm pretty sure the actor who plays a cop here, because he's only credited as cop for the episode, right. but he's the only cop with, like, a speaking role that I think this would apply to. But I think this is Michael Francis Kelly again, mm-hmm. who was previously in the heist, uh, we said as probably one of Catlin's security guards. Right. And then showed up last week as one of the other hockey players in the game right. against which, the Squires. Which we couldn't really tell. Yeah, because... we don't know which one is which or what. Uh and he will come back. We we said we mentioned last week he comes back for season seven, episode twelve, which is like right almost right, the end. Yeah, the very end. So, with now with Crow tied up in the evidence room, a trunk full of stolen evidence, which Pete and MacGyver are now taking out of the evidence room. Right. They ungag and unblindfold Crow, and Crow's like, "Oh, you guys are dead. I'm looking at dead men." And they lock him in the evidence room, and then like waltz out with the trunk. Right. Um, in the meantime, the police officer returns and finds Crow, like, kind of, like, tied up. He says, what The are guy you? that was trying to get the signature comes back, and he's yeah. like, what are you doing in my cage? And and he sounds an alarm, which then immediately everyone knows where to go. Like, yeah. all the police and the all the police officers in the in They the all know scramble. it's the evidence locker alarm. They, they run down, and the officer tells him, there were two other guys with him in a trunk. And, uh... And they so all the officers run in search of this these two other guys. Meanwhile, MacGyver outside as looking like Crow. Right, in clothes, in Crow's clothes. In, Crow, in, in Crow's clothes. Try saying that. A Mac times. in Crow's clothes. Ooh, that sounds like an episode title. Yeah. Uh, the goons see him and think, "Oh, there's Crow," and and so instead they let of the girl go. Yeah, they don't let the girl go, which was their order, their That's last right, orders. Yeah. 
Um, instead, they go out to meet him, and, and I think even MacGyver is kind of like, oh, this isn't what was supposed to happen. So MacGyver kind of like tilts his hat down, so you can't really see who it is. Yeah. And just kind of walks past Until him. he's right next to them, yeah. and then he looks up. He looks up, and, the, and they realize that it's him. They want to shoot him, but they can't. Because they're right in front of a police, police station, station with cops bursting out the front door. Yeah. So the, the it's kind of a funny moment because the goons just kind of go, where's Crow? I don't know. Let's just get that trunk. <laughs> yeah. Because they still believe that the money is in the trunk. Right. MacGyver goes, finds out that they're, they were in the, the RV camper parked across the street. Right. Because that's what they come from to go greet him. Right. And they, so he finds Joanne in there and he, he gets her to safety. And she says, oh, no, they got the trunk. They're going to get away with everything. Because apparently she's really out of the loop on the whole Toledo Yeah, twist. exactly. She, she, she hasn't been a part of this plan for at least 24 hours. Yeah. Um, and so the two goons lift up the trunk and everything falls out of the bottom. Like, yeah, he it, says, I think the bottom's about to fall out of that plan. And then everything falls out of the bottom of the chest. And that's when the police swarm out. Again, their last, their last order was to find two guys with a trunk. Yeah. And so you think, oh, these are the two guys. And then as soon as they get him inside, he says, no, 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 it was a big, bald, fat guy. and Yeah, got in a white suit. Yeah. What, what did you say their names were? Uh, Pete and MacGyver. Yeah. Cause that's ex- <laughs> they chained this poor, innocent man inside the evidence locker. Why would he chain himself in there? Yeah. And, and look, he's willing to give a, t- a statement and testify that these are the two men Yeah, and, he, and he could, without even committing perjury, go in and say... These guys told me they were going to give me $2 million. They walked me into the evidence locker, started loading it into a chest, tied me to this post, and mm. then left. Yeah. Is it a crime? I guess it's, I guess it can be technically a crime to hire other people to commit a crime. But well, they didn't even commit a crime. He didn't take anything. Yeah. All, all that happened to him was he was falsely imprisoned because he got brought into this evidence locker and chained mm. to it and left there. So they'd be like, oh, you don't have anything on you? And we have no proof that you were trying to take anything. All and right, we're tied well, up. on your way, sir. Yeah, and uh, it's like, and who's this officer Thornton that was inputted into this computer all of a sudden? Yeah, we have no record of him. Uh, it's it's a very kind of peculiar episode, and I mean that's really that's really it. I mean, they they drive off in the van like uh, they like, go back to the the. Uh, damn, to celebrate, don't they? No, uh, Kelly comes by in the van right outside. Okay. And they drive off, and MacGyver throws his Crow's hat Panama out of, the, hat car, out of yeah. the car, and it does an iris like on the hat onto in, the hat, the and sky. that's the end of the episode. And I don't know. There just seems like so many loose ends are 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 happening here, and. Really, I think what kills it for me is is the whole four hundred thousand versus two million thing. Like, I feel like they wanted to write a sting, and they just like didn't didn't even want to. They didn't want to borrow from someone, so they decided they were going to come up with their own sting. And then what they came up with didn't make any sense. And then we're like, yeah. if we gloss over it real quick and have like them just push it along while they're talking at the dam, if three people are agreeing that the plan is brilliant, then the fourth guy's just going to be like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah this yeah, sounds yeah. Uh, this sounds good. I'm I'm an individual. I have my own decisions that I've apparently made and been successful at. But I love the know. gesture from from MacGyver after they they say like, and the kicker here, that that chest is just big enough to hold two million dollars. And then it cuts back to him going, <laughs> like doing his same like that Joey Bennett laugh. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it cuts back to Mac and he's like, 
yeah. yeah. He like punches his own hand and makes a big smile. Like, yeah, we're gonna do this. We're criminals. <laughs> yeah, crime time. And he's like, so, so, what do you need my four hundred thousand dollars for again? <laughs> well, we're gonna put it on top of the fake money. But there's there's a lot of real money in in the locker, yeah. right? Is still gonna still gonna leave four hundred thousand in either way, right? Yeah. So that's... why why? This sounds great. Let's do it. Yeah, I, I'm. On, you know what? I'm on board. I'm on board with everything you guys say. It's... I love this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. <laughs> this episode, I don't know. It it had some promise. I really like the character of Crow. Even if he is a little anachronistically criminal. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, sure, some people like Panama hats, but this guy's going the whole nine yards with yeah, it. Yeah, like, if he was flipping a coin, like a silver dollar, then it'd be full-on just cartoon. Yeah. But, I, you know, I really like the setup. I really like that, you know, their friend was swindled out of money, and they're going to con a con man, but... It would have been better if the con man that they were trapping had broken the law many times and was a fugitive, first yeah. of all. That would have been a major point to make, was that this guy is breaking the law and getting away with it because they can't find him, not because they can't press charges. Or or, or better, like, he they, they can't convict him because all the witnesses always turn up dead. Yeah. And don't have it be Kelly's own fault that he lost all this money. Mm-hmm. Have it be, like, somehow this money was literally stolen from him. Yeah. Not just, tr- he wasn't just tricked out of it. It... And then don't have them commit crimes in order to justify the means. Like, you yeah. Mean, you I mean, it works in the sting because they're they're like kind of hoodlums. They're like yeah. It's that's supposed to be part of their mo is that they're 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 not really following the law, but they're the good guys that aren't following the law. It's the same Butch Cassidy Sundance thing, you know. Yeah. They're they're bad guys, but they're the bad guys that you're rooting for. And, exactly. And Mac and Pete are not supposed to be the bad guys that you're rooting for. They're supposed to be good guys. Mm-hmm. And they're really not in this episode. Yeah, again, this thing. They're con men. They choose a target. They don't care who it is. They know he's dangerous, but they also... People who have money are tend to be that way. Yeah. Um, Lonigan... I almost... <laughs> I almost said Lolligan as Paul Newman, the drunk Paul Newman when he keeps mispronouncing his name in this thing. <laughs> Mr. Lolligan. Um, he's a bad guy. And it's just, but it's just an excuse to make you want to root for Paul Newman and Robert for all the more. Yeah. In this, Crow doesn't really do anything bad except beat up the trainer. Like that's about the worst that it, that he de- that he does. And this is a trainer who took money to dope a horse and then didn't dope the horse. Yeah. So the trainer's kind of asking to get beat up. I don't know. How do you feel about this episode? I, I there's redeeming stuff. Yeah, there's redeeming stuff. And I don't think this will be the last episode that we kind of like on the fence about. But it just it just doesn't make sense. It's a, it's wrong-headed. It's hearts in the right place. Mm. It's but, MacGyver brandishing a gun. It shouldn't happen. Yeah, it's target MacGyver all over again. Yeah. It's a lot of stuff that you don't expect from MacGyver in a row. Because it's so entrenched in the homage... That it forgets what this show is about. Right. And this show is not about what's happening here. I, I mean, I like the revenge and the conning the con man and, like, the the reverse scam. Mm-hmm. But that could have been done in a better context than it was here. Yeah. 
so I'm really sorry, guys. I know everyone who worked on, on this episode is is listening to our podcast now. <laughs> and I just want to let you know that if you're planning on killing yourselves tonight, just do it <laughs> responsibly. <laughs> Try not to kill anyone else. Yeah, come on. Or just, I mean, you could also not kill yourself. Yeah, so much to live for. It's an option. Like you said, it does have redeeming yeah. stuff with um, a lot of the Sting stuff is fun and, and you know interchangeably using all these random like scam terms is kind of fun even if it's not entirely accurate to how they were actually yeah. used and i have to say richard romanus he commits to that role he's great and and i think this is the last of him for macgyver mm. but um i i would have liked to see him come back yeah. uh, even as this character yeah you know? i mean he you have to know by the the way the dialogue is and how the the director wanted it delivered I'm, I, he's a he's an actor. He knows that he's playing this kind of hammy role. Yeah, it's but a caricature. He, but he gives it at all his all, and he's he does make it fun. Like he is the kind of he is kind of a charm to him. Yeah, and so, I know why they brought him back. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, perfect, perfect person to play this character. All right, I think that about wraps it up for Twice Stung. If you have any notes on this or future episodes, you can hit us up on Twitter at Opening Gambit, all one word. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Phoenix Foundation Podcast. And as always, you can find us at phoenixfoundationpodcast.com. And if you're digging the show, you can review us on iTunes. Tune in next week. We're going to be covering Season 2, Episode 4, The Wish Child. Which, uh, if you're not aware, is a fun one. Yeah, it's 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 got some good stuff in there. And uh, every uh asian american actor that you can think of off the top of your yeah, head yeah all the good ones yeah Aww, what? <laughs> what a lot of asian american actors got really upset with you all right thank you for listening thanks